Welcome to another edition of Len's Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guests for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush this week. So we've been dealing with coronavirus since March, and various rules have been in place on everything from stores, restaurants, youth sports, etc. And I get we need to have these rules. But I think I have finally, in episode 35, gotten to the point where I think that I have had enough. I've really had enough because I think people are just making this stuff up as they go along. And this was my final straw this week. So I'm reading an article from the Ohio High School State Athletic Association, and I think this finally set me over the edge. All right, so I'm going to read this, and you, you tell me if I'm, I'm crazy or not. Um, so Ohio High School State Athletic Association coronavirus rules. So I'm going to read this. Students can wrestle but can't shake hands. I'm going to repeat this. Students can wrestle but they can't shake hands. Okay, now I'm going to get into a little bit more details on this and go through the rules here. So among the new rules is student athletes are permitted to wrestle, but they must refrain from handshakes before and after the match. So I'll say it again. Students can wrestle, but they can't shake hands. Now, wrestlers are also required to wear facial coverings off the mat when not actively competing or warming up. And equipment cannot be shared. If equipment needs to be shared, OSHA mandates the proper sanitation between use. And then student athletes must also, so this is what I don't understand. They must also sanitize their hands before and after warm-ups. So if they're allowed to wrestle and they've sanitized their hands, what is the harm in handshaking if you're that close anyway? So that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, they must, as I mentioned, sanitize their hand before and after warm-ups and at all timeouts and period breaks any time they leave the competition or the practice mats. And then this is what, you know, as we get closer on this, this is what, again, I don't understand. All those on the team bench also need to observe social distancing of six feet. Now, you just wrestled. That is not six feet. Doesn't make any sense to me. Another big change comes from officiating. So it, it continues into the officiating of this. And, and, and again, this is kind of interesting also. So the official may point to the winning wrestler while raising his or own arm with an open hand, having the requisite wristband color, red, green, of the winning wrestler. What did I just read? I, I cannot understand any of this. And this is what I mean. They seem like they're making this stuff up as they go along. You can you can wrestle, you can go on an airplane, but you can't go to a restaurant and eat in person. So this is what I don't understand. And and meanwhile, the Ohio governor, Mike DeWine, is tweeting. So I want to read this word for word because again, I just said you can wrestle, but you can't shake hands, right? So I want you to go through this here. So DeWine tweeted the other day, we are in a very dangerous situation, and I think we can all agree that we can't let our, our hospitals get to the point where health care is threatened. The curfew, mask wearing, retail inspections have helped, but they haven't helped enough. We will have to do more. We don't have a choice. Well, it's time to 
at that point to just, you can wrestle, but you can't shake hands. Does that make any sense? I don't know if it makes any sense to anybody, but with that in mind, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. She is a director of programming for Tandavia, a mental skills and empowering coach. She's a radio broadcast TV veteran. She does everything. Carrie Lee McClellan, how are you? And welcome to Len's Burning Bush. Oh, Lencastic, it's so great to see you. Oh, it, well, we're seeing each other, not just talking. So correct. I like to do that. I, I like as a, a, from the my uh, big fat Greek wedding too. We're doing it over the FaceTime. That's kind of how we're <laughs> we're doing this. So so I just I went on my rant here uh, because cr- there's been rules that make no sense to me. Like the restaurants can't can't be open, but you can go to the to the convenience stores, you could order a hot dog, you could get, they're open all the time. Walmart, Home Depot, all these stores open all the time. And I don't know what it's like in New Jersey and New York. You know, I, I'm, I'm just talking from here. But how can you wrestle? But the rule is you can't shake hands. That's it. Like, you can wrestle, but don't shake hands. Does that make any sense to you? Because I'm about to go over the edge. It's, it's an astonishing revelation. And... When, when I hear things like that, you know, the first thing you said was you think that people are making it up as they go along, and I think they are. And it, it's not to give anybody a backdoor to say it's okay, but, um, you know, it, it seems pretty black and white. If you, if you don't want COVID, then don't engage in close range. I'm sure these kids have been tested, and I'm sure they're consistently tested if they're performing. Both of my brothers wrestled, so I'm very familiar with the sport. And they wrestled in Ohio because I grew up in Ohio. And, you know, you look at that and it's almost like a, we're doing all of this, but this will be the one thing that makes us feel better. And I think there's a lot of that going on in the culture because, you know, the United States, there's a prevalence of this disease spreading like bigger than anywhere else. And they're still not closing down. And I know New Jersey had talked about closing down again and they're not. And people are out flooding restaurants and so on and so forth. My thought is, you know, with kids, it's a different thing. But with adults, you've got to be an adult and you've got to make proper choices for yourself. And if you feel that there are too many people in the restaurant, don't go. Get takeout. As far as wrestling goes, if those kids are, I mean, wrestling is so contact. Yeah. It, I mean, no, it's about as it's much so contact, contact as you can. And it's, it's sweat and it's breathing in each other's faces. And it's, you know, and then there's the whole process of preparing and warming up and practicing. So it's a constant connection. You can't wrestle without practicing wrestling. And so the handshake is kind of like a non sequitur, you know, it's showing up. It's like, okay, this makes me feel better. They're not shaking hands. Well, again, but that's. We're seeing a lot. The mask thing and everything. We've been wearing the mask, and people are trying to do what's right, and we're doing it, and we're getting it more and more. In, in Kentucky alone, Kentucky has, uh, where I live, Kentucky has shut down restaurants again in, indoors. You can only do outdoor or takeout uh, and all this, but yet the cases are still going through the roof. And what people are now doing, which makes no sense to – they got the neighboring states that have different rules. So you've got Indiana, and you've got Ohio, and you've got Kentucky, the tri-state area here, which we're familiar with from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, right? So 
this makes no sense. Indiana has their rules. Ohio has their rules. Kentucky has theirs. So if you haven't gone, uh, you can't go out to eat in Kentucky. You know what people are doing? They're going to Indiana, which is 20 minutes away. They're going to Ohio, which is 20 minutes away. So is it really helping? All of this is an, is just open it up. If the masks work, whatever, I don't even know. I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one on TV. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, right? I, I'm not <laughs> a doctor, but my God, we are in a situation where, again, you can wrestle, but you can't shake hands, and you can't go to a restaurant or sit down at a bar. Vegas is open. The planes are open, but yet this is the issue. I would like to know, Carrie, uh, if Las Vegas, you never hear the stories, right? Las Vegas has been open for a while. They, they've been doing the masks. They've been doing the social distance at the tables. They've got the plexiglass up. And you don't hear if there's any breakouts or, or um, any kind of outbreaks in Vegas. So if it's working in Vegas, why can't we transfer that into something else, right? We don't know. Nobody, oh. You don't hear about it, but go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I have thoughts about this, and this is what I've been reading, and I've been reading a lot. Um, and, and this is going to be a trigger for people, but it's a reality check. They're talking about different groups in the culture not having the benefits that groups that have more money and more resources and more access to resources have. So if you think about Las Vegas as a prime example, you've got the gambling tables and it's all money. It's millions upon millions of dollars every single day. They can afford to maximize the protection for everybody there. One of the things that's happening, and I've read consistently about this, is in the more impoverished areas, because Las Vegas is one of those areas that has a high extreme in the economic structure. As soon as you get outside of town, you also have the Native American reservations, which also have the casinos. The highest group outside of African-Americans right now and um, the immigrant population, the highest group is Native Americans who have the highest level of COVID. They have virtually to none reach treatment. They have don't have access to any kind of treatment. They're already running at a de deficit as it is. So I think that's why you don't hear about something like uh, Las Vegas in the gambling aspect of it, in the show aspect of it, is because that's money. They can afford to maximize that. Absolutely. Their restaurants. I mean, those are multi-million dollar restaurants that advertise around the world. And so they could cover it. And, you know, they have all the acts who I, I'm thinking that the performers are still performing. And, you know, you have all of that going on. And so I think there's the discrepancy shows up in impoverishment. And I think that's one of the things. But you know, when you look at something like wrestling, I mean, wrestling is an educational privilege. You know, that's, you know, athletics and sports and, and after school activities and things like that. That's privilege. That's not a guarantee. And so, again, you know, shaking hands, that's kind of like ridiculous yeah. in comparison. You know, it's like, what, what's but that going to do? Raise your hand. Let's focus on this. <laughs> Meanwhile, the cases are going through. The, they're doing all of these things, and yet the cases are going through the roof. I think people are just tired of it. You're telling them to do something, and people are always going to try to say, well, it's not going to affect me, and I understand that. But at some point, you have to. The businesses are closing. We've had restaurants closing in our area now, and they're not coming back. And that's, you know, yeah. you're killing, you're killing the everywhere. local business. You're killing it. 
and, and what I don't like is the hypocritical stuff. Like I said, you've got uh, we have a we have a uh, rest not a restaurant, but we have got uh, where you can get gas and ice cream. It's called UDF United Dairy Farmers. They have been open the entire time with no restrictions, and yet the restaurant next to it has to only have thirty three percent, or they can't open right. And that's kind of the way it is. You can't make any money at 33% with these rules that the governor is. And, and, and yet the cases continually, since they've changed to the restaurants closed, the cases are going worse than they were before. So I don't, under, I, again, I don't get it. I'm not a doctor. Um, if the masks are working, then how come the healthcare workers are still getting sick, right? That's the thing. Do we, do we have anything that really works? I, I'm thinking no. I'm thinking other than the vaccine, Maybe nothing really works. Well, if you think about it, it, it's it's a it's a pandemic and the pandemic is broken down by the fact that it's a virulent. It's it's beyond flu, you know, and and the only thing to do is be as smart as possible and protect yourself consistently. And to quote a friend of mine who I work with in broadcasting, he says, you've got to live. I agree, but you've got to live wisely. Yes. And I think a lot of what's happening, and you know, and this is a very complex issue because we're watching, even in New York City, what people who don't live in New York City or work in New York City don't understand is, even though it's a giant city, each block is a neighborhood. And so these little tiny bodegas and these businesses where you get breakfast every day and, you know, they're going under if they're not a chain and even chains are going under and people are losing jobs. The unemployment rate has skyrocketed insanely. And the reality is we have to protect ourselves via the guidelines. However, there's a point and, and it's like with any epidemic, we're going to have to reality check and say, there will be somebody that you're close to or somebody that you know who will be diagnosed, period. And I found out one of my closest friends this week and she's pregnant and she has it and her partner has it. And you hear that and you get that feeling in your heart that sinks because you know there's literally nothing you can do. She's safer staying at home. He's safer staying at home. And at that point you're, you're praying because there is literally nothing to be done. And you watch the numbers rise and, you know, here's the reality. We've got to learn to be okay with being alone. We've got to learn to be okay with putting down these things and stepping back for a period of time. We all miss it. We all miss our lives prior. I miss going to museums. I miss traveling desperately. I miss doing all the things I used to do. But, you know, as a single mom, I'm responsible, even though my kids are grown adults now, I'm still responsible for showing up and staying healthy because I am their foundation, you know, and it's, we, we've got to be able to be alone and be okay and step back and just be like, all right, so this means, you know, this holiday season, we're not celebrating with family, we're, we're stepping back and, and here, I'll send you your packages two weeks in advance and that's where we have to learn to be okay so it can calm down, you know, and they were talking about Thanksgiving meals being super spreaders and they're they're projecting that next week is going to be a whole new level of peak, especially around here in my community, 100 people and I live in a small town, 100 people in a week last week, 
you know, and in our hospital is teeny and tiny. And it's like, you know, that's everywhere. Yeah. And, the, and we're in an area that has money. So imagine the areas that don't. Out right. In the middle well, of the my, my argument has been they've been picking and choosing. They should have just shut everything down. Um, and, and including the grocery stores and everything, because shut it all, stay home. If we have to stay home for two, three weeks, stay home. And then afterwards, maybe the, it'll start going down. I don't know. Again, I'd like to get on That's a lighter. What yeah. That's what New Zealand did. And they had great success because they just took it on the chin right at the start. And it wasn't any of this protracted issue. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, here's something else that everybody's like, new normal there is no new normal there is no normal and there won't be for a very long time things will normalize wearing a mask has normalized but what will happen after this for a couple of years if we're in social gatherings we're going to be masked up we're going to be protecting ourselves and this will go on for a very long time as it should really right well let's get on to a little bit lighter subject obviously the whole purpose <laughs> of this podcast is not to get into heavy details but again this was burning my bush this week about the whole inconsistencies with the pandemic. But anyway, speaking of inconsistencies, teachers have had many issues, right? But one of the things to, to kind of lighten it up the mood a little bit is teachers have come up with the most ridiculous excuse a student has given to get out of homework. And we've all kind of tried this, I'm sure. So I'm going to read a few of these. There's 18 of them. I don't know if we'll get to them all. But the first one says, my high school student claimed he couldn't do his homework because his grandmother wouldn't give him back his textbook, which she had taken in retaliation for the theft of her wooden leg. <laughs> that is a that is a one of the you know. Interesting, interesting. That's a teenage boy right there. That's a teenage boy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of the other one was one of my classmates said their dog ate their homework, which the homework was online. So how can that be? You know, we can't use that excuse anymore when you're online. And then my student's excuse was that his pet parrot, so a parrot apparently, flew into the fireplace and caught on fire. Then the parrot proceeded to fly around the sitting room with the dad chasing it, trying to hit it with a frying pan because he was afraid the curtains would go up in flames if the parrot got too close and the dad finally hit it. I mean, I can't even get through this. Of course... Left off the hook was the most creative story he had come up with all year. But listen to this. The dad finally hit it, threw the flaming bird under the faucet, and with all the drama, the kid had forgotten to do his homework. So that was a long, drawn-out way to get to the point of they, you can't do your homework. But this online stuff is, you know, again, it, it's hard for everybody. Uh, one of the other ones is my cat ate my laptop. That's interesting. I can see that happening. Yeah. I, cats cats yeah. have been known cat i don't like you know it's funny i have a cat um but cats are one of those animals that i don't like an animal with a worse attitude than i have i just feel <laughs> i just feel like cats are just like they look at you like they're ready to kill you i, I just feel like they're planning they're planning your murder uh in your sleep you know it's we draw to us what we are most like <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly uh one other one was kind of funny one kid said he couldn't do his homework because his mom's blender was too loud his blender was too loud mom's making drinks mixing a I little bit my thought is like that's what's getting her through homeschool <laughs> <laughs> uh listen to this one this is a good one this might uh 
Um, once one of my 12th graders didn't bring in his paper, rather than embarrass him, I took him outside to ask why. Well, he got shifty and he said, you always say to be honest, right? So, um, I lost my virginity last night and passed out at the girl's house and left my backpack there. When her dad was chasing me out of the house this morning, I told him to just let me know when uh, he got his stuff back and we'd sort it out then, the teacher said. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a very good, uh, good that is a very good uh, one there. I just, I, I find it interesting. So these are just some of the reasons. It was an article that, uh, that I saw by the BuzzFeed staff. Um, wrote this and, and again you can catch it on BuzzFeed but 18 of the of the greatest excuses is to, to why they uh, can't do their homework and, and nobody ever liked doing homework anyway I don't think anybody likes homework the whole word oh just we don't, can't just you like yeah the bane of my existence I had records to listen to man I didn't have time for that annoying yeah <laughs> <laughs> well Carrie I wanted to kind of uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing now. You actually have uh, one of these cool blogs that uh, you oh, wrote about yeah. somebody's daughter. And I want you to kind of talk a little bit about it. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now and how people can, you know, follow what you're doing. Well, you know, I'm still in broadcasting as bread and butter. And now more than ever, we need that. Um, I have been, since I left broadcasting last time, back when I was on TV, when we were working together. Yeah, back in the 90s. I, that, was, that was a while ago. Yeah. And I, uh, after I left, I remember thinking about what could I do that I really, really, really wanted to do that wasn't TV, that wasn't radio, because I chose to leave the business at that time. And I went back to school and I started studying neural linguistic programming and humanistic neuro linguistic psychology. And I also, that was when coaching was coming up. And this is before when people wouldn't hire coaches, you actually had to be certified and go through programs. And so I went back to school for that. And then I figured, well, why not just get my psychology degree? So I went back to school for that. And then decided to go back to school for master's certification in integral theory. Pulling all of that together, I realized that my life experience, all the things that I value, which is service to people and service to humanity and helping women to um, become empowered, I uh, decided to start my own business. And originally the first business was Master NLP, and then it, it, it turned into Tandeva. And Tandeva is more inclusive of um, just all my life experience, as well as all of the tools of NLP and psychology and integral theory and coaching. And so Tandeva is actually, it, it means the cosmic dance. And um, so I turned it into that and I started developing programs to help people empower themselves. Now you hear about empowerment programs all the time and there's tons of great product out there. But one of the things that I've noticed is that everybody's looking to create dependency on the product rather than to create a source of believing in yourself for yourself. And I truly know that everybody's got the same tools inside. Now, if, you're, if you've been through a trauma and you've hit emotional rock bottom or you're dealing with addiction or you're dealing with all kinds of serious stuff, it's harder to dig into that. But if you have the right tools and you're willing to do it, you can do it. 
And so that kind of graduated into, I was working with a lot of young people at the time, and, and I called it at the time the mastery program, personal mastery. But, you know, a lot of people are learning that, using that to terminology now. And so I streamlined it because I was volunteering, working with women in prison at the time. And I was leading a meditation and then doing a 12-step meeting with women. And I did that for about seven years. And I had noticed a pattern was that everybody had similar belief structures. The family issues, though not similar, the lack of teaching on how you can generate empowerment yourself was absolutely absent. And so I started to construct a program specific to working with these women based on their, their issues. And so somebody's daughter came about with one of the women that I was working with in prison at the time. And I don't know if you've gotten a chance to read it yet, but... Um, Not yet. I was going to. Yeah, please do. I'd love your feedback on it. it. It's about my relationship with her over seven years while she was in prison and her, I created the program initially for her because I knew she was going into federal prison and she was going to have to learn how to navigate. And she used the program to be able to deal with being incarcerated. And so now I've got that in place. And what I'm almost finished with now is a program about um, self-acceptance. Now you hear a lot of terminology now about radical self-acceptance. Well, this is going into a really in-depth personal study on accepting yourself. And I mean, you know this, I'm going to tell tales about us right now. Yes, but go right ahead. <laughs> in middle age, right? Yeah. And, and I'm Well, that's if we're going to live to 100, but all right, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But here we are, and it's like, you know, we've got incredible stories to tell about our professional history together and great things that we've seen and done. But you reach a point in life that you've got to be able to look at yourself and, and accept who you are, where you are, what you are, what you've accomplished, what you haven't. And I, I think it also applies to younger people. It applies to people who are much older, men, women, and everything in between. And that when we start to accept ourselves, that we can cultivate more of a, of a happier lifestyle. And, you know, now more than ever, I mean, it's not so easy to be happy with much of anything. That's real work now. And so that's what I'm working on right now. Well, that so is, that's going to be long, big, that is beginning of the year. Way more interesting than anything I've ever done. So uh, you can follow. Now how, <laughs> now, how can people follow you? You're on LinkedIn, but you're not on the other socials, right? You're not on Instagram, I'm Twitter. I'm at this point. Okay. And, and, and the reason I'm not is because I find that it's time suck. And, you know, LinkedIn is about the business end of it. I learned a tremendous, I'm, you know, I'm on there. And then, you know, Tandeva.org is my website. Um, and also just Carrie Lee McClellan on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, that's the best way to find me. So, okay. well, interesting stuff. And you and I, um, so you did television traffic, uh, for WCBS in New York back in the day. And we would, uh, you would have your room and I would be in the other room and then we'd kind of talk and we would do the crossword puzzle together. And one of the things I, kept saying, yeah, back when we used to get the newspaper delivered, used to get the crossword. Now, uh, the New York Times has what they call a crossword mini. I don't know if you've seen this, but I, I, have not. I, I pulled it up for you. 
and there's uh, nine across is three letters, quick snooze. Now, obviously, we can... Nap. Very good. So, yes. nap. And then it's uh, there's a couple of other, but uh, home of Roma and Bologna, 11 across, which is six letters. So, we can work on these. But crosswords, was were, they were our thing. That was... Uh, so. Oh, my gosh, they were. Do you remember? Yeah. And what people don't know, or they may not know, but the New York Times crossword puzzle, first of all, the, the typeface of the New York Times it's beautiful but we would you know the easiest one was always on monday and so we would fly through that thing so easy and what we had is we had breaks around at the same time and so we would you know stand up in operations and we'd be doing this puzzle and then by friday it it would get so hard and and it would be just like so exhaustive and the goal was always to finish it by the time we had to be out of there at 10 and it was just like, we tried so hard. Yeah. I think we did a couple of times. I think we could, we finished it on a Friday. Yeah, we, we, we have, I mean, I have shades of brilliance once in a while. That's kind of like when I watch Jeopardy, you know, I, I, I answer the, the other night. So it's a funny story. I'm not a big reader. I've never been, but I still retain a lot of information, right? Any kind of class or stuff that I remember. Uh, but, you know, there was a couple of questions, uh, and I answered the other night out of the um, author category from the 19th century. And I, for some reason, I got uh, this book or whatever, and I, I the, the Treasure Island was one answer. I got that. And then this red badge of courage. And I said, you know. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. And so I was like, and I wound up getting that as well. And it's just how in the world do I come up with this when I never even read these books? But I, I retain a lot of useless information in my head. Apparently, Stephen Crane. Oh, no, by the I way, I think that's keeping, yeah. keeping Stephen Crane. Yeah, that's yes. that's keeping you alert, man. Reading is good. Well, I, I I think that's your your New Year's resolution is that you're going to start reading. That's yes. what I, I I envision that for you. Oh. May you be empowered. By- <laughs> <laughs> I'll be empowered. But I tell this story all the time because obviously I grew up on a lot of television, and I grew up a lot of movies and stuff like that. So. Uh, we were watching Jeopardy, Susan and I about, and I've told this story a couple of times, I think people are going to get tired of hearing it, but in um, about 10, 15 years ago, there was a question on Jeopardy that said, this Bolero composer, blah, 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 and I said, who is Ravel? And Susan goes, how in the world did you know that? And I said, well, to be honest with you, in the movie 10 with Bo Derek, yeah. <laughs> she says the best song to make love to is Ravel's Bolero. And it was very, you know, Bo Derek is very, um, she was, it was very impressionable on me in, in my young years. <laughs> I can imagine. I can I'd like imagine. to bring her on and tell, I'd like to bring Bo on and tell that, that story because I think she would enjoy it. But yeah, I learned from Bo Derek that Ravel's Bolero, and that's how I got the. But that's the, yeah. art enculturation in the United States. You know, that's something, you know, we grew up in the 70s and early 80s. And that's a type of enculturation that the younger generation doesn't get. No internet, you know, basically three channels on TV. And it it was like, it wasn't, we weren't saturated. And so we learned everywhere. And, And the movies that we would watch reveal just as much as the new album cover art and and it was we were enculturated very differently very differently agreed and i i remember having a conversation with uh people they were like 10 15 years younger than me 
And one of the things that, that I like that I always like to learn about the past. And most of the people growing up now don't seem to want to care what happened. Uh, and I remember having this conversation, and this is kind of interesting, uh, at, at one job, and there was a, a bunch of people who were barely 30 and I was older, and they were, we were in Las Vegas at a convention, and I don't know what happened, but they said something about God, and I said, oh, George Burns. And they had no idea who George Burns was. And, and George had been gone. You know, George, I guess, had died probably 10 years before that. But at the same token, how do you not know that? I, you know, I didn't grow up with, with John Wayne movies, but I still know who John Wayne is, Gary Cooper. I wasn't around when Jim, you know, Jimmy Stewart was ever. But I still watch a lot of the movies that he was in. And oh I just don't understand why you wouldn't do that. You want, to, you want to be blown out of the water? This was one for me that, this was disturbing for me. Um, but it shows you my level of attachment to things that I love. When I, I had a bunch of students when I was teaching meditation, I had about 20 students, and they were all between 17 and 20 years old. They didn't know who the Beatles were. Oh, my goodness. And for me, that was like, even if you don't know the faces, I mean, you don't need to know Love Me Do, but Yellow Submarine or, or the later things, like, I don't know. I mean, that was, those were my childhood, you know, songs, well, but. I've got to tell you a job. funny story. Okay. So well, speaking of that, speaking of that, not everybody does know. So I, I must have lived on another planet. But John Lennon died in 1980, which I was, I, was eight. I was 12 years old. I'm driving in the car, and I'm listening to Harry. Where my father had CBS FM on with Harry Harrison and the morning mayor, if you remember. And he oh, tells yeah. a story that John Lennon had died. Now, earlier, uh, I had gone to bed because apparently they announced it on Monday Night Football, and I missed it. But um, I remember saying, like, you know, I didn't automatically recognize who John Lennon was. And one of the things I was always, I knew the music, but I didn't always know who was singing it. So I think that maybe, but, but I knew the Beatles. I just didn't know that was John Lennon when they mentioned it. So that was kind of my uh, stupidity back when I was 12. So there you go. But at least you knew the Beatles, you know, yes. I, I look at that. When my, I think about this, my mom was 20 when she had me. So can you imagine Normal kids had nursery rhymes, and and I had, within without yeah. you, you know, I had I had Sergeant Pepper's. I <laughs> mean, that's that's a that's an awesome way to grow up. But at the same time, it is relative. You know, there there will be generations who don't know who Led Zeppelin are, and there will be generations who don't know who Michael Jackson is. And I'm sure every culture has somebody specific that, you know, how do you not know who Glenn Miller is? You know, well. It's, my parents were had different music tastes. My mother didn't listen to the Beatles. They, she would listen to Elvis and Neil Diamond and Barry Manilow and all that. And that's how I know all of I know all of that uh, more than I knew the Beatles growing up because of that. Like you, you, whatever your parents listen. So one other funny story is my kids grew up with uh, they were when they were growing up. There was the game Guitar Hero that came out with PlayStation, right? And one of the funny things were. They would play the Guitar Hero, and at young ages, I mean, my daughter was four, my son was like seven, and he was playing, and one of the uh, things, we were in the car, my daughter's in her car seat in the back, she couldn't have been more than four years old, and Kansas comes on the radio, 
And it's like all of a sudden in the back you hear, don't you cry no more. <laughs> so oh you got to love the music reference because that's, you know, whether however they learn it. Right. However, my kids exactly. appreciate all the older stuff because their dad, me, um, has parties and I like to have music. And I use the best mix of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and today, W-L-E-N, radio. And that's how I have it set up on the playlist. I have everything from, you know, Eminem to, to Johnny Cash to, you know, anything, the Judas Priest. Anything is on that. You, it's a plethora of all different music. And one of the things I liked, you know, having kids is the fact that they would buy stuff on iTunes Stuff that I would not normally listen to, maybe, uh, you know, Katy Perry or stuff like that. But I have it on my playlist because you got to have a good mix of, of music. Well, it's interesting that you're talking about music like that because my daughter, I mean, she's 25 now. So how does that make you feel nice and old? Oh, I, I am but, old. My son's going to be 20, yeah. so I'm with you. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, she's out in California now, but when she was around home and she was, she's a circus performer, but when she was early in her career of learning that, she would be bringing music into this house that I was like, nothing I ever would have been exposed to if it wasn't for her. And I love it. Yeah. And then she grew up because, you know, we drive everywhere and we would drive up to Woodstock all the time because there's a Tibetan Buddhist temple up there. And we would listen to Neil Young all the time. Love it. And she grew up listening to Neil Young. And, you know, she said to me recently, she said, I love Neil Young. It's so comforting. It comforts me like when I was a kid. And you never realize that. But look at the weight of music. If kids have these memories, we have these memories. It's so powerful. It's healing. It really is. It this is. is what's going to get through all of this. Absolutely. And one thing that you need as a Neil Young fan, you need to watch Jimmy Fallon as Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen doing whip my hair back and forth oh whip, my god yeah whip my hair back and forth it's I will, fantastic I will. if you watch jimmy yeah. fallon doing jim morrison doing yeah. reading rainbow yeah reading rainbow he does reading rainbow yeah. as jim morrison and it is impeccable He's so funny. Well, we could go on and on for hours and days, and I yes. apologize how much time we, we, we just can continue, uh, but we have to wrap it up at this point. But you can like Lens Burning Bush on Facebook at Lens Burning Bush and follow at Lens Burning Bush on Twitter. Listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio. Tune in. You can even ask Alexa to play Lens Burning Bush. And now we're on Stitcher, 29 states. I've got... Countries like the United Kingdom, we've got uh, a bunch there. Ireland, Germany, Switzerland, Norway, France, Mexico, Japan, Alberta, Canada. Uh, so, yeah, you got to love the Canadians. Oh, Canada, our home and native native land. But uh, it's been a pleasure. I hope you had fun because I, I had a lot of fun oh, as well. Man. Always, you know, geez, it's so great to catch up. It is outstanding to catch up. Stay safe because the world is a better place with you in it. We'll keep it out. Thank, thanks to Carrie Lee McClellan. I'm Len Harvey. We'll be back with another episode of Lens Burning Bush next week. So long.